to the book of Genesis chapter number 22, beginning at verse number 14. Genesis chapter number 22, beginning at verse number 13. I'm sorry. We're going to be reading from the King James rendering of the scriptures of God's holy word. Read. Some of y'all grew up in that church. Read. They read one word and you stop them. And God, stop. And God. I got to get y'all out of here. We got another service. Genesis 22, 13. And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abram called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said today, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. I want to talk from this subject, family, in our time together. Very quickly, say my name. Say my name. This past week, uh, many celebrated a day that is known in the western part of the world at least as Valentine's Day and it is a day where individuals go above and beyond their normal expressions of appreciation to uniquely demonstrate to those of significance in their life their love and affection for them. And for some, this day was a day of extreme satisfaction. For others, this day may have been a day of deep disappointment. Because somebody wanted a night in and they got a night out. Somebody wanted a night out and they got a night in. Somebody wanted, somebody wanted a necklace, and they got a bracelet. Somebody wanted a ring, and they got a fling. <laughs> Don't allow the images that we are inundated with across social media to cause us to come to the conclusion that everyone had a victorious Valentine's Day. Some people were deeply disappointed and their disappointment doesn't mean that they are unappreciative. It may mean that they have a love language that was not being met. And that love language may not have been met not because someone had, listen to me, bad intentions. But that love language may not have been met because someone may have had bad execution. And some people, I don't even have time, this is, that's a relationship series, I don't have time to deal with this. And some people's bad execution is based on bad information. Because they're getting advice from everybody except for the person that they actually in relationship with. Am I making sense here? I said, am I making sense here? 
Yeah. Some people were disappointed because they're dealing with someone who was unaware of and unresponsive to their love language. And as it is with people, so it is with God. God has a love language. That love language is worship. And he has articulated to us the importance of worship, not because it benefits him, but because it benefits us. What do you mean, Darius? When you meet a person's love language, you get exposed to a version of that person that nobody else gets. When you meet a person's love language, they show up for you in ways. They don't show up for anybody else. And as it is with individuals, so it is with our eternal God. When God's love language of worship is met, he shows up in ways that he doesn't show up for everybody else. An example of this is seen in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse number 13, where it says the trumpeteers and the musicians join in unison to give praise and thanks to God, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raise their voices in praise to the Lord God and said, he is good, his love endures forever. And the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When God's love language is met, he shows up in ways he doesn't show up for anybody else. And when you get this kind of expression from God, you not only get the expression, you get what the expression brings with it. See, when you get what I just mentioned in 2 Chronicles, you get the presence of God, and it does three things. Here's the first thing it does. It re-energizes the weary. Because success requires stamina. And because the adversary is aware of this, you know what he does? When he can't take you out, he try to wear you down. Did you hear what I just said? The enemy is going to try to orchestrate one adverse event after another, after another, after another, because he's trying to wear down your spiritual stamina. Here's the word the Bible uses to describe spiritual stamina, virtue. Come on now, in Mark chapter 5, when that woman had that issue of blood, the Bible says there was a multitude of people following Jesus, reaching for him and touching him. But this woman said to herself, because sometimes you got to talk to you. She said to herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She touches his garment and Jesus stops and says, who touched me? The disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? You see all of these people here, everybody's touching you. He said, no, I felt virtue go out of me. In other words, we all can be doing the same thing and not get the same result because when faith touched me, it feel different. Y'all aren't hearing what I'm saying. And we all can be making noise in the sanctuary and not get the same result. Because when you raise your voice with a heart filled with appreciation and adoration for what God has done in your life, not only will he move, he'll stop. He said, Jesus said, I felt virtue go out of me. 
spiritual stamina. And when the enemy can't wear, take you out, he wears you down. A spiritual weapon of mass destruction is fatigue. And I'm not talking about fatigue in the body. I'm talking about fatigue in the soul. I'm talking about when your soul gets tired. I'm talking about when you get soul fatigue, you get faith fatigue. Mm. What's faith fatigue? Faith fatigue is when you've been believing so long, you don't got tired of believing. Is there anybody honest enough to talk back to me? To say, I had big faith at December 31st, but I got medium faith right now because I'm dealing with faith fatigue. But when you have authentic encounters with the glory of God, it re-energizes the weary. Times of refreshing come from the Lord. When you get in the presence of God, you are able to do what they said in the old church. You're able to run on and see what the end's going to be. I got to get out of here. Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half just won't do. It re-energizes the weary. Because life will wear you down. Work will wear you down. Parenting, as amazing of a blessing as it is, will wear you down. Ministry will wear you down. The business will wear you down. Where do you go to refuel? Where do you go to replenish? Times of refreshing only come in the presence of God. So when you're worshiping, you're not just worshiping. When you're worshiping, you're refueling. Is there anybody that needs a refill? It re-energizes the weary. Number two, it restores your sanity. Listen to me. Whatever is obtained has to be maintained. Just because the enemy lets you get it doesn't mean he's going to let you keep it. So peace has leaks. And some of us online, some of us in this room, our peace is leaking. Yes, sir. Our joy is leaking. Where do you go to patch the holes that your peace is leaking out of and your joy is leaking out of? You can only get that in the presence of God. It re-energizes the weary. It restores your sanity. Number three, it restricts the adversary. <laughs> Darius, where'd you get that from? In the book of Job, there's this story about how the adversary approaches the father, approaches God, and, he, and, and God asks the adversary, where you been? He said, well, I've been everywhere. He said, I've been in Lawrenceville. I've been in Buford. I've been in Midtown. I've been in downtown. I've been in Decatur. I've been looking for somebody's life to destroy. And God says, have you considered Have you considered my servant Job? And the devil's like, yeah, I considered him. But you got a hedge around him, his household, and all he possessed. God didn't say to the devil, 
I got a hedge around Job. The devil said to God, you got a hedge around Job. So the question becomes, how does the devil know that there's a hedge around Job? Unless he had been trying to get to Job and could not get to him because the hedge was protecting him. Wait a minute, which means there was stuff God was blocking so well that Job didn't even know God was blocking it. Y'all missed it. God will do his job so well, you won't even know he's doing a job. You don't know what the enemy tried to send this week. You don't know what came at your children last week. But God did such a good job doing his job, you don't even know what he protected you from. Let me see if I can get some old school church goers. He protected me from danger seen and unseen. Somebody praises God for the things God did that they did see. I want to know, is there anybody at change that will say, I'm getting ready to praise God for the things he did I didn't see. The devil thought God gave Job a hedge when the truth is God was the hedge. Oh my God. Did you see y'all didn't hear what I just said? Yeah. God didn't just give Job a hedge because if he gave Job a hedge, that may have been something the enemy could penetrate through. But God say, when I put myself around you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I didn't just give Job a hedge, I was a hedge. But this only comes with, come on, this only comes with worship. That's the principle. The principle that possesses his presence is worship. Am I making sense? And God's like, if you don't want these unique manifestations of me, that's fine. I give you whatever you settle for. So if you settle for a form of godliness that denies the power, that's what you get. If you settle for a life that only gets better when you die and go to heaven, that's what you get. Because I let you live on whatever level you settle for. But if you want the exceedingly and abundantly and above all I ask or think, then that's what you can get if you work the principle. And it says, what, what most of us need more of is presence. Am I making sense? And, and this principle of worship is a principle that actually God clearly communicates in scripture. He says the working of this principle will cause you to experience unique manifestations of me. If you will work this principle, you will experience what other people don't. Everybody gets what's called omnipresence. Yeah. 
God's everywhere at the same time. But there's a difference between omnipresence and manifest presence. When he manifests himself, you don't necessarily benefit as much from omnipresence as you do manifest presence. If I have something that belongs to you and you want it and you come in my house, I am present. But if you downstairs and I'm upstairs, I'm not manifest. So you can get what you need from me just by me being present. You can only get what you need from me when I manifest. And God's like some of us have been settling for being in the same house. When he wants to use this series to awaken an appetite in you to say, no, I want to show you how to get me to come out the room. I want to let you know that God does not want the only time for you to feel what you feel right now is when you're in here. This, this, this sense of otherliness and transcendence and this awareness that I'm experiencing something that's not natural and it's different. God wants you to know that it's not relegated to a church building. Because there are churches having church right now and he not manifest. He says, this can happen in your house. This can happen in your car. When you get this revelation, you will have to catch yourself because you'll be at the gym. I say, wait a minute, I got to stop. You'll be at a red light giving him glory and catch somebody looking at you because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all... It's the principle. It's the principle. He says, this is how you get me to show up. Are y'all ready for this? It's the principle. I, I don't know if y'all ready. I don't know if you can handle what I'm getting ready to say. Because there are people, there are people, you're right. You're right. You're right. I can't say it here. You're right. You're right. I know exactly what you mean. There, there are people, oh my, y'all know. Principles do not have respect for persons. So there may be people who in your eyes that are more ethical who don't get the presence because they don't work the principles. And then there may be people who, like the woman out of whom Jesus cast out seven devils that was washing his feet and the religious people around said, if this man was really a prophet, he'd know that she was a sinner. They thought they had the ethics, but she had the principle. Did you hear what I said? Because the principle works no matter who works it. Y'all not going to talk back to me, and I want to know, do I have at least, at least about 500 people in here and about 2,000 online that will say, out of all the people in the room, at least 500 of y'all will say, listen, you may speak better than me. You may 
pray longer than me. You may live better than me. You may be more holy than me. But one thing you're not gonna do is outworship me. What we're not gonna do is sit here and act like he hadn't opened doors. What we're not going to do is sit here and act like he hadn't made ways. What we're not going to do. You can be seated. I got five minutes. This, this only comes from worship. But the word worship, I'm done, Tyrell. What the word worship means to express worth. You got me? It means to express worth. Not feel gratitude, but express worth. You can feel gratitude, you don't express. Introverts, I'm more of an ambivert, but I lean, yeah, it depends on when you. But we have to be more intentional about expressing what you feel because thanks should be given it needs to be given so worship isn't just feeling gratitude it's expressing worth which means you cannot worship past your revelation of his worth The worship that gets his presence is informed worship, not just enthusiastic. Because some people are enthusiastic, but they're not informed. It's like you doing, that's a whole lot of running and a whole lot of energy. But why? Why? It is a zeal not according to knowledge. So the greater my revelation of God grows, the greater my worship can grow. Because the more of him that I see, the more I see how worthy he is. Which is why in the book of Exodus, the first thing God gave Moses after he gave him instruction regarding his assignment is he gave him a revelation. He said, I got to give you a name. <laughs> because that's how I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to let you know who I am by taking you through situations that give you a revelation of an aspect of me you ain't even know existed. God's like, there's things about me you don't even know yet. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how much of your Bible you read. God's like, there are things about me you don't know yet. And he says, so I'm going to take you through experiences where I give you situations that are context for you to get a revelation of an aspect of me you didn't even know existed. 
And this is exactly what happened in our foundational text with this individual named Abraham. I don't have time to unpack all of this, but Abraham had believed God for a son and God delayed the arrival and, um, and, 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 and through a series of circumstances, his wife was able to miraculously conceive and all of a sudden, God speaks to him and says, now take that which you waited on and give it back to me. Take your son, your only son, and give it back to me. Abraham gets his servants. They go to this place where there's this myriad of mountains. And the Bible says, he tells the servants, y'all stay here while me and my son are going to go worship. I don't even have time to deal with that. He's, because I want Isaac more than anything. But I will not love what you gave me more than you. See, I don't have time, guys, because... Worship is not just revealed in antics in church. Worship is also revealed by your willingness to offer Isaacs. When I said no to law school, that was worship. Because I was saying, I want to keep this Isaac. But if you are asking me to offer what I want to keep, I love you more than what I want. It's hard to be a worshiper in here. I'm done, Tario, if you don't offer Isaacs out there. It's like, what have I given you that you now value more than me? What have I given you that you love more than me? Do you love the business, Isaac, more than me? Do you love the relationship, Isaac, more than me? Do you love the, the fame more than me? I'm just, I'm in a season, I'm just, I've always been this way, I'm even more so now. I just wanna be so strategic with my circles. I don't even want to be in rooms. There was a trip I was supposed to take this week. I'm not going to take the trip for a number of different reasons. One of the reasons is I don't want the smoke that's in that room to get on me. Now, I'm not judging the room. I'm not judging the room. I just don't like what get on me when I'm in those rooms. Because something get on me and it start putting Isaac in a position I don't want Isaac to be in. It's like this is, this is awakening a part of me. I want to stay buried. I don't want any kind of mixture in my motives. I want my, my heart I want to do it for the right reason. 
Because I don't want to love what you gave me more than me. And Abraham's about to sacrifice his son and God say, don't do it. Which one did he say? He, he told him to do it and then he told him not to do it. He said, because you don't have to do it with your hand, Abraham. Because you already did it with your heart. You approved that you love me more than what I gave you. You approve that your commitment to me is not conditional. You approve to me that you love me more than that. So Abraham named the place. I mean, he's getting ready to take his son's life and then he turns his head, he sees a ram tied in the thickets. I'm never gonna bother this but God will show you where to look to find your ram. And God said, sacrifice the ram instead. And Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh because he got a revelation of God that he didn't have before. You, watch this. Y'all missed this. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. No, 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 no. Not the Lord did. You will. So I can offer whatever you ask me. Because you will provide. You're not going to stop providing. You're not going to stop opening doors. You're not going to stop making ways. You're not going to stop sending me opportunities. So I can offer you my Isaac. Because not you did provide, but you will provide. And I want to tell somebody in this room, he will. Somebody online, he will. Since that's the God, I, when you worship, you are worshiping the God that will provide. And he will provide for you. You receive that? Clap your hands if you receive God's word. Woo, somebody give him praise here. Glory. Well, whatever your receiving position is, get in that position. I want to pray a benediction over you. How many, how many, how many are gonna be in the house for the conclusion of this series next week? You say, I got to be here. I want to pray this benediction over you. May the Lord God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face of favor to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he protect you. May he provide for you. And above all else, may he grant you peace. This is my prayer for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have an incredible week.